0: Well, it's great to be back here worshiping with you guys and uh, great to be celebrating. I know last week my wife and I were out for a weekend. We actually uh, took that weekend off and went to Taylor University. We were out there for parent weekend. Both of our daughters are out there at Taylor, so we were uh, out there visiting with them and kind of getting to know the town a little bit better around it and uh, did a bunch of restaurants and uh, sitting at a Starbucks and just enjoying the weather and, and then being at their worship service on Sunday where... Uh, Alyssa was singing on part of the worship team there. So it was great to be out there for the parent weekend and help support all of that and uh, see what God was doing there. Here's the beauty of it. We know we have such a strong team here, both staff and volunteer. You guys just rock it, and it's so easy for us to get away for a weekend knowing that everything just goes, uh, clicks, and does so well. And appreciate you guys and and all that you do. Love what God's doing in this place through all of you. And uh, Pastor Steve, appreciate you bringing the word last week powerfully and strongly. And, man, God was glorified in this place. Amen. Amen. And I love being a part of this church. Love being here with you guys. We're in a series called Fearless. Fearless. We're walking through what it means and what it looks like to have our day to day walk with our God be one of those things that we stand undaunted in. No matter what we see, no matter what we're facing, we will remain fearless. And so what does my perspective need to be? How do I need to approach life in ministry? How do I need to understand God's role in this world so that I can live fearlessly? All right, and so 2 Corinthians chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, that's what we're walking through, the middle portion of 2 Corinthians. And just so you know, in seminaries, they'll point to these chapters, and they're called the philosophy of ministry chapters, okay? You pour through chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7, figuring out what it looks like to have a ministry for your king. And uh, what does it look like to live fearlessly is another way to say that. All right. And so we're walking through 2 Corinthians 4 through 7. God teach us and train us. And uh, today, specifically, what does it look like to live wisely? What does it look like to live wisely? So turn with me, if you will, to 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14. 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14. And uh, first point uh, do not. Be unequally yoked with those who resist Jesus Christ, and uh, do not be unequally yoked with those who resist Jesus Christ. It starts out in verse fourteen. Uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. You're like, wow. Where do you guys get your main points from? It's so genius. How did you come up with those words? And right, right out of the passage, man. Let's just get real. What does the scripture say? And let's get after doing it right. And uh, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And uh, let's make sure we walk through this a little bit. The word unequally yoked, in fact, that's one word in the original language. It literally means to be bound side by side serving with one of a different kind. That's how the word is actually put together. It's got that word hetero at the front end of it. We know that word. It means different kind, okay? And so it's got that word in it, serving side by side with one of a different kind. That's the unequally yoked. That's where the word comes from. And, and uh, literally, you'd have to picture this word yoke that's used there, work. It's like the farmer who goes out and he takes his plow and he straps on this giant yoke to this huge oxen who can pull strongly, and a puppy dog, right? And you're like, that would be stupid, and uh, right, right? That's his point. He's like, picture the most insanely connected together, can't quite get it done, clearly not sharing the load and the purpose of what they're there for, and uh, that's what he's talking about, okay? Be careful. Uh, Unequally yoked is a bad plan. Everybody just say it's a bad plan. He's like, don't do that. Do not be unequally yoked. Now, I'm just going to tell you, there's been a lot of preaching on these couple of words and uh, a lot of assumption about it. And uh, there's been a lot of context shift on what it's about. And all of a sudden, they begin to talk about marriage or or work or things like that. And we'll get to that in just a second. I do want to address those for a moment. But I'm just telling you this. The context is actually all about your affections. When you look back to the prior verse, it says, you are not restricted by us, but you are restricted in your own affections. Like those things you long for, those things you desire, those things that are banging inside of you that you have to have satisfied and be careful, those are the things that are restricting you and watch out as you live life. And he's like, let's continue in that vein. Don't be unequally yoked with, right? Watch your affections. It's going to affect your affections when you choose your friendships and when you choose who you hang with. And so he's really speaking mostly to affections here, but there's a lot of variety of where that can be applied. And, and, um, you know, so just walking down the line, well, what if I've got somebody that I'm getting kind of interested in? What if I was kind of thinking I want to date them? And I trust in Jesus Christ, I'm saved, I believe in him, and I'm excited to follow after him, but they don't care at all about Christ. What about that? And um, I would just say, Scripture here says, don't be unequally yoked. So there's a principle in it. Let's be careful not to say, um, thus saith the Lord, and put a mandate down. Somebody could stand up and say, hey, I actually dated somebody who was an unbeliever. They got saved, and now we're both married and we love Christ. And, like, I'm okay to hear that. But, but because it worked out doesn't mean it's a great plan, okay? There can be better plans along the way, like entrusting them to the Lord, longing for them to come to Christ. And if they do come to Christ, then great, there's a great next step you can take. Here's my request. Consider what it is to be careful and wise in the midst of that friendship that could go to more. Well, what if I'm already dating them, okay? And uh, here's all I'm going to say to that, being very direct and very clear, Okay love you like crazy, please hear me on this. Super careful about what the next steps are. If they really want nothing to do with Christ whatsoever, it's going to affect your affections. And if you're passionate about going after Christ and they don't want to at all, man, you're headed wrong directions. And so it's a very fair moment to sit down and have that hard talk about the thing that maybe you don't really want to talk about at all. And uh, do have that hard talk okay, and sit down and figure out together where you're at, and get clear about where you stand with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and maybe God will even use that moment to bring them across, but make sure you're taking your stand for Christ, and what if I'm already dating an unbeliever? I would say, man, get very clear with them that you will be following Christ, and if that's not where they're headed, this needs to be done. Get very clear, and uh, those are hard words, right? That's not a fun moment, I'm not saying that with any um, swiftness, and I'm not trying to be harsh. Man, be really, really careful with how you're partnering as you move forward. Um, Why? Well, because the next question that always comes up is, well, what if I want to marry an unbeliever? Okay, and I'm just going to tell you right now, we as a church, we will not marry an unbeliever and a believer. We won't okay? Do not be unequally yoked. So if you come in and you're like, I love the Lord, they do not, then we're in a spot where we'd have to say, we love you. We want to walk along a path with you. We're going to share the gospel with you. We want to see you come to trust Christ. Marriage is not the next step. You coming to know Jesus Christ as your Savior is. And so we as a church, we would not do that marriage. I just want you to know that. I want you to hear that. We're being super real, man. And so this is some tough words right out of the chute in this passage, right? and we're getting pretty real. Let's be super clear about what it's saying. Don't be unequally yoked. And, uh, well, here's another one we hear a lot. Well, what if my business partner is an unbeliever? Okay. And, uh, I'll just say this. Look, I, I worked in the, uh, telecommunications field, engineering and marketing for 17 years. And, um, Man, there's a lot of days where the people you're working alongside of may not know Christ or trust Christ, but I was able to take a stand for Christ. I was able to live with integrity. I was not called to lie. I was not called to fake. I could do and be exactly who I was before Christ and honor him for that, and that's a huge deal, and if there was a moment where they're like, that's it. You have to lie right now. Make sure that you sell this big. uh, That would have been the end of it. I would have turned in resignation or said to them look I can't do that if you're asking for that then I'll resign and this is a really big integrity problem and right if the relationship you're working alongside of is causing you to step away from Christ then that needs to be done okay and you have to figure out how to do that and with wise integrity and I'm not saying just collapse the thing and there's relationship you have to walk through and you be really smart to how you do that okay but please be careful and, uh, but it's not wrong at all to be in relationship with someone who is uh, um, not trusting in Christ, uh, but actually is working hard with integrity in the workforce, and you have a business relationship there. I would be cautious with that. Don't take this pa- passage to mean thou shalt never have a talk with someone who doesn't know Christ. And all of God's people said, right, we are to be in the world, but not of the world. And so we're to have a passionate relationship with our Savior and we're to call those around us to that. And if they're like, I'm not going to have a part of that, well then be careful how much you're connecting in your daily life and work for that, okay? And uh, we said it this way with our kids when we talked about friendship stuff. It would be, man, friendship is when you're leaning on and depending and you're drawing strength from And ministry is when you're pouring into them and you're not leaning on them to give you strength at all. And it's not wrong at all to minister into those in this world and love on them and let them know that you love Jesus Christ with your whole heart and soul and mind and strength. May God get all the glory. But leaning on them and asking them to give you strength and all of a sudden they're leading you towards their affections, man, that can drag you down. And a simple little image, imagine you're standing up on a chair, And your job is now to pull them up, which happens more easily, them coming up onto the chair with you or you coming off, right? And that's all he's saying, be careful. Watch your partnerships, be wise to it. There's a principle to be used here, be careful not to get too dogmatic with it, but at the same time, be very real with it, okay? And all of God's people said, okay, it's a very, very, very important moment, (laughs) that we get clear what it is and is not saying. And, uh, all right. Paul now goes into five statements uh, about how this doesn't work, okay? And there's an answer to each one of these questions, and the answer is none. And uh, what's the answer? Okay, get ready. I need, to say it. I need to have you say it loudly and strongly as I read each one. Here we go. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness? Yeah, no partnership at all. Or what fellowship has, or I'm sorry, did I skip one? No. Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Okay. Or what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? He's like, let me give you some contrasts and let me show you how this doesn't work, right? And so he's like, Let's go back to the top, righteousness with lawlessness. Somebody who's like, that's it, I want to do what's right before God all the time. And the other party is like, I don't care what the law is, I want to do whatever I want. And in fact, I kind of want to break the law. Like, those two parties are not going to partner well together, right? And, uh, or what about fellowship with light and darkness? Have you ever had light and darkness exist in the exact same spot at the exact same time? Can't happen. Why? Because the definition of darkness is the absence of light. And uh, they're opposites in that regard. And uh, what accord has Christ with Belial, Jesus with Satan, and uh, none totally opposite in approach. Satan saying, I will be like the Most High. And uh, what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? A believer having eternity in heaven presented to them. Jesus Christ is their Lord and Savior, longing to worship him forever, and the unbeliever is saying, that's not where I care to be at all. I've got a totally different interest I'm going after. And uh, a different portion, a different eternity. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And uh, the place where God truly exists to the place where God doesn't at all. That's what he's saying. Temple of God with idols. And, uh, you know, when I was in seminary, I actually had a class I had to take on world religions. And uh, one of the things we had to do was visit five or six different world religions in the area. And uh, so I had gone to a Hindu temple and uh, visited there. That was quite the experience. And uh, walking in and, you know, you're respecting the customs. So I walked up to the front desk. There was a person running the front desk there. And I said, what do I need to know so I'm not offensive, right? And uh, so they walked through some statements with me about get your shoes off pretty fast. I'm like, wow, I would have thought that might actually be more offensive, really, (laughs) but okay. And uh, so like taking my shoes off and trying to be respectful of, and the first place you come to is this idol with many hands and many eyes, and there's people bowing down before it and throwing money in at it, saying, will you please uh, somehow bless my family? And this thing, this image that has just been crafted by human hands is now being cried out to, And, and then they move on Image by image, idol by idol, around the whole place, praying to different idols, calling out for some sort of blessing from. And just so you know, never once, never once were they crying out to the God of the universe who's in charge of everything. They were crying out to some idol of. And it just is a terrible plan. There is no power and no authority in it. It was this repetitious, repetitious, ritualistic behavior that went nowhere. I was so saddened when I left. It was hard, man. I went out and sat in the car and prayed and longed for people to be able to come to know Christ, the living God, the one who has the power to speak and this world exists. He holds it together by his presence. He loves as he reaches in. He cares for you with all he's got. There is one God, and he has made himself known in Jesus Christ. We serve the king of kings, and all of God's people said, amen, man. This is a huge deal. And uh, no, we haven't just thought of another sweet thing we could try to do to feel better about ourselves. The one true God with reckless love reaching down into our lives. And all of God's people said, the temple of God is so different than an idol. There is absolutely no agreement whatsoever there. Okay. So as we put all of this together and we start to wrap our arms around, we need to grasp this. Man, you are called to be a light in this world. You are called to know those around you and to reach in with all you've got, to be in the world but not of the world. Everybody say, in but not of. of. And man, we got to grasp how to be an expert in that. In but not of. Man, I'm, I'm taking part in this world. I'm sharing the truth of Jesus Christ. I'm longing for those next to me to come to know him as Savior. There is no arrogance in my position whatsoever. I didn't do this. My God did. And I'm just sharing the truth of who he is. May he be celebrated in this world. And man, as you reach out to those around you in whatever way that seems fit, please love on them with all you've got. And all of God's people said, and yet at the same time, do not be unequally yoked. Are you hearing the balance? Okay. And deeply caring, passionately engaged, loving on them with all we've got. But be careful about hooking up, especially for long haul friendship or even marriage. And if it ends up in a business partnership that's dragging you down a wrong path away from Christ, then that too Watch out, be careful. Your affections will be toyed with and your worship will be changed. And this is all about God's glory, okay? He says at the end here, for we are the temple of the living God. We are the temple of the living God. Did you know that? If you've trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, that means that the Holy Spirit has come in and taken up residence within you. In your spirit, making impact in your soul. God in you. That's a huge privilege. And you have become the temple of the living God. God working with you and you getting to hear from him and a relationship that can take place as his glory now pours over you and he changes you one degree of glory to the next. You are to be a temple of the living God. And notice he just said, and there's no place for idols in that. When you put those two together, he's like, please watch out where you place your worship. May God get all of your worship and your focus. Man, you are the temple of the living God. Notice he put the word living in there. That opposes uh, the word idol, right? Which is nothing more than some manufactured element, not living. And uh, we know the living God. And we can worship him, and his name is Jesus Christ. Man, this is such a powerful passage for how to balance our life in this world. Okay. So this past week, I told you we were out at Taylor University, and uh, we uh, went out there to support our kids and to be a part of just kind of connecting and building a relationship with them uh, while they were on campus, our excitement was to get out there and just see them a little bit more, right? And uh, we're Empty nester now, it was nice to get out there, road trip it out, it's about four hours one way, and so we went out there and we're hanging out with them. And uh, our plan was to leave at about two o'clock on Sunday, that was our plan, and uh, why? Well, partly to let them be able to do homework, right, because we took entirely their entire weekend up by being with us so now their chance was to catch up and do a little bit of homework before the end of the day and also we had first connections last Sunday night so uh, while we were not here for the services we did our goal was to get there for first connections and be there uh, at six o'clock for that so we're up in just north of Indianapolis four hours away and we're like okay if we leave at two it's a four-hour drive but there's also an hour time change so that should give us an hour right that's that should be enough we should be fine And so our plan is to leave it, too. We come walking out of the restaurant, and uh, I'm getting in the car, and Jonna goes, "Uh uh-oh, and points at the back rear tire that is almost dead flat. And I come out and look at it, and I kind of feel for a nail. I don't feel anything. I'm like, oh, let's get over to the gas station where at least there's more space. I can spread things out if we need to change a tire. We'll try to fill it with air. We'll see what happens. So I back the car out. We pull it over. We pull up by the air pump, and then I go get the air pump. And I come back to put the air in the tire, and the, the nail is like sticking right up at me. Uh, off the side wall of it, just kind of sticking up right out at me, and I'm like, this isn't good. This isn't going to last long. I don't think I'm even going to take time to put air in the tire. we got to change the tire. So I end up getting the stuff out of the trunk of the car, you know, laying all your luggage out all over the place. You can imagine what that looks like, right? Is it's all spread around behind on this gas station parking lot, and I take this uh, thing to break the lug nuts loose, right? And put it on there, and I'm like, <laughs> nothing, man. It wasn't moving. And I went in, and I asked if they had a bigger, you know, like if they can get a tire, you know how you get a little leverage on the thing? And you know, in Toyota Camrys, they make them like this long. <laughs> so you're like right up next to it, and you're like, come on, man, I can't. So I ended up having to stand on the thing and bounce, balancing myself, To get my weight to break the lug nut loose and I break one loose and I'm like, yes, get it loose. Four more. (laughs) Bouncing. Break it loose and I get all of them loosened up and then I get the car jacked up, right? Get the lug nuts off. It's not coming off. So now I take this lug wrench and I'm trying to leverage Without ruining the brake, because I got disc brakes. Because, you know, I'm trying to, like, how in the world can I? And then somebody else comes over, and now we're kind of talking about it, and we're both sort of grabbing at it and looking at it and pushing on it, and it's not going anywhere, man. And I'm like, I don't know. It's rusted on. I can see the hub is bad. And Jonah said, Well, maybe they got WD 40 in the gas station. I'll go get some. So she goes in there, gets that, comes out, and I'm spraying it all over the place, you know. And then, of course, the little red thing falls off behind it, and then you're reaching down and trying to find that now. and. Like, as time is ticking by 2.15, 2.20, we're like, oh, we're going to be late, man. So they're calling to try to see if we can get a tow truck that will come over. And, and they're like, we'll be there in an hour. An hour? Like, this town has, like, four people in it. How does it take an hour to get across the town? I don't understand. But, so I'm spraying the thing, and then we're sitting there, and we're letting it kind of, you know, do whatever it does, right? And I'm like, I hope that does it, and we're kind of playing with it. It doesn't work. And a guy comes up to me. From a uh, truck or something, an RV over there, and he goes, Hey, mind if I help you? And I said, No, man, if you wanna help, you can help. And he goes, It's gonna be farmer style, Are you okay with that? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what that means, <laughs> but if you can get the tire off, that's great. And he goes, All right, back up. That's the first time I've ever heard that around a tire to change the tire. Everybody, back up, all right? And and I'm just gonna say, with a lot of respect, this boy had some mass on him. Okay, we got a big boy farmer coming at this thing, and he's like, pff, pff. and he starts kind of half running at it, whack, and the whole car just kind of rocks, and the tire goes, eh, 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 boom, falls off. <laughs> Dude. To which I said, we all understand that was the WD-40 that did that. (laughs) We all get that, right? Right? And uh, so we ended up changing the tire out and uh, putting the spare on. And uh, we get in the car and John is like reading the manual on it. I don't even know why you picked up the manual, but she picked up the manual and she's like, you know, you're not supposed to go uh, over 50 miles an hour with this. And you're supposed to not travel more than 70 miles. To which I said well, 65 miles an hour, 290 miles. It's close. It's close. So so we went about 65-ish in there, and uh, we were trying to keep it moderately slow. People are like blowing our doors off, you know? They're just (laughs) blowing past us, and I'm like, I have a small tire, right? Like, it's not me. I'm not an idiot, right? That kind of thing. And uh, so we end up, cranking along and every once in a while we would decide to stop. I started getting a little creeped out, heard a little weird noise going, could not never quite figure out what that was. I think it was something rattling in the trunk, but you're never quite sure when you just change the tire. So I'm pulling over and checking and I'm trying to let the tire cool down, right? I mean, these tires have a lot smaller rubber and not quite the same amount of tread. And so as I pull over, I touch it. and I'm like, well, that ain't good. That was hot. So I'm kind of letting it, you know, you're doing this. Oh, no, whatever, let's see if we can get this thing cooled down. We got to get home, man. And, uh, you know, John is like, have you called Kent to tell him you're going to be late for First Connections? I'm like, we're not calling him until I know what we're doing. Let's make sure we get this thing nailed. Then we'll text it. So we get out. I wanted to get about an hour and a half into this, see if it was going to travel, you know. And uh, so we get out there again another couple of times. And, and the tire being able to handle most of the heat, pretty much, I just pulled over three or four times to keep it cool. Then we sent a text that said, hey, we'll be there pretty close to six. We ended up rolling in at 6.02, and uh, praise God for that. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing we left the extra hour in there to be able to make the changes and stuff. What's the point of that story? (laughs) Man, we were unequally yoked on the back end of our car. We had a regular tire and a not regular tire. And man, all of a sudden we had to bring the speed down and we had to start checking it all the time and we had to, it changed everything that we were not equally yoked, all right? And uh, that's exactly what Paul is saying. Be careful when you move through life, unequally yoked will cost. That's what he's saying, all right? So now I ask you this. What's God pressing in on you to take a good hard look at? Is there a set of friendships you need to be more careful with? Is there somebody that you're dating that you need to be more careful with? Have you been looking at getting invested into marriage and you're trying to figure out what that looks like? Is there a business thing that you need to be considering more wisely? What's God pressing on for you? And I should have said this before, but let me just say this. If you're already married, and it's believer with unbeliever. Let me just say this. Scripture is really, really super clear. That is not time to separate and divorce. Okay? First Peter 3 is you live your life, ladies, gently, quietly, serving the Lord, excited about that, and you watch God use you. Okay? So if you're in a marriage where that's true, God's got a really clear answer to that. Hang on. Let's see Him work. If the unbeliever decides they've had enough and they're moving away, that's a different answer. But if they're willing to stay in, you're staying with. Okay, so what's God calling you to take a look at and address in your life? You got it? Which relationship? Now what's the first step you're gonna do in going after it? And it might just be, God, I need help on this and wisdom. I wanna pray through this. Maybe there's a small group leader, an impact group leader you can be talking to or a pastor. Man, what's that next step to manage it? Okay. All right. First, do not be unequally yoked. Second, live a life in honor of your holy God. Live a holy life in honor of your holy God. Here we go. Paul now puts uh, three different quotes together here. He's got three different scripture passages. He said, As God said, uh, I will make my dwelling among them, and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. This is from Leviticus 26, verses 11 and 12. And uh, Leviticus 26 said, I will make my dwelling among them, and I will walk among them, God with us, right? And and the Christmas story statement, and he shall be called Emmanuel, God with us. This is promise in Leviticus, made clear in Isaiah, and then lived out in the Gospels as Christ has come. And now we have the Holy Spirit with us, God with us, and eventually for all of eternity in heaven with him, God with us. Man, God has a plan and it involves relationship with you. He loves you and he longs for an eternity with you. And all of God's people said, and that's a huge deal. I will make my dwelling among them and I will walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. And a relationship. Then he moves to Isaiah. And Isaiah 52, 11 says, Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing. Then I will welcome you. He's now talking in Isaiah. He's talking to those who have been in exile And he's like, it's time for you to get out of that place. It's time for you to get away from those people that were holding you prisoner, those cultures that were changing and shifting your mindset and uh, go out from their midst. Be separate from them, says the Lord. Touch no unclean thing. He's like, remember the Jewish law of cleanness and uncleanness. Your thing is to go after now that which has been set up by God, not that which has been set up by man. And a hunger for what God has for your life, and uh, he says, then I will welcome you. In fact, in the original language, that word there means literally to receive in. Then I will receive you in. And in fact, just so you know and understand, that word then, in the original language, that's not there. It's and. And I will receive you in. So there's some implication of connecting, and that's why they use the word then. But the reality is, it says, hey, you do these things, and I'm doing this thing. And they're connected together, sort of. But I'm just telling you, God is doing some huge receiving in of those he calls his people. And that's a huge privilege. And uh, it says, therefore, go out from their midst to be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing, and I will welcome you to be welcomed by God, literally to be brought in and treated as a guest in his home, to be appreciated and welcomed at that level. That's what it looks like to be welcomed in. And then he goes to Ezekiel 20, verse 41. It says, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And I will be a father to you, and you shall be sons and daughters to me. He's like, get this, You're not just welcomed in as a guest. You are family. I love you. You are a child of the king. Man, you have been adopted in. You aren't just brought in as a guest who's having a meal with them and then you're sent back out. You are brought in as fam. You are his family for life. You are his child and he is your father. He's like, hear me. I am your father and you are my sons and daughters says the Lord almighty. Man, we need to grasp this. We are laying in the streets, filthy, lifeless, hopeless. We are in dire need. We are living for self is it all. It is all about us. And Jesus Christ entering in, going to the cross, dying and rising. The Father drawing and calling and man in the midst. You are lifted up out of the streets, out of the muck and the mire and the sin, and you are brought into his home and more. He then signs the adoption papers, and you become his child. He's saying this simply when he says, stop with the unclean stuff. He's like, dude, stop living like you belonged out there. You belong in here. You are now a child of the living God. Live it. Enjoy it. Drink deep of it. I'm telling you this. You are done with the sin and the self because God has done a healing work in you. You are saved. What a hope we have. Man, we cannot... Hear me. We cannot say this strong enough. Our hope is that the God of the universe is calling me his child. My hope is not that I got my act together. Please note, it doesn't say work these things out, then you will be saved. He's like, you're called my people. Now come follow me in this, right? It's like, I'm telling you, this is who you are. Now let's start living it out. We live the holy life as a thank you back to him. Each choice we make is thank you God for what you're doing in me. We do not work to get salvation, and we do not work to keep salvation. Salvation comes through faith alone. Jesus Christ has done all the work. And all of God's people said, man, our hope is that we can be declared an adopted child. We are his. And he gives us massive, massive hope for it. He says, since we have these promises... Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Since we have these promises, since God has declared you his people, since he has promised to allow you into his home, he is welcoming and receiving you in. Since in the middle of receiving you in, he is then declaring out, This one is my child, and you are family, since you have those promises. Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit. Just so you know, sin comes in every form and fashion, body and spirit. Lord, help me to become skilled at setting down the sin that so easily entangles. And all of God's people said, right? It is so easy to get wrapped up in self. And uh, typical sins for our day, I just wrote this down. Isn't it amazing how when you go to each of our senses, there's actually sin all surrounding that, that our, that our society has become skilled at using and doing. And if I were to say, my eyes, all the things you watch, and uh, what are you watching that needs to be done being watched? And I'm just going to be pretty direct here, guys. Watch the use of the computer. And if you can't handle some of the stuff that's on your cable, get less of a package. Get some of those stations gone. It's time to start managing our eyes. Guys, God has made us to be visually stimulated when it comes to the sexual world. And there's nothing wrong with that. Keep it in its lane. Make sure that is so honoring to God and how you use your eyes. It's attached to your soul and it starts affecting your affections. Watch your eyes. Watch your mouth. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, right? Think of all the filthy things we could be about saying or talking about, whether it be gossip or slander or some kind of crass talk. And Watch your mouth. That's the what comes out. What comes in? The drinking and the eating. Be careful what you're doing. Make sure you're honoring God. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. Did you know that? That you can literally have a sip of Diet Coke and give it to take that drink to the glory of God. And I purposely just chose Diet Coke. I I love to do I love Diet Coke. For me, it's it's like one of the sweets I do have throughout a week on a regular basis. And and I'm just telling you though, there is a thankfulness in the midst. Some of you can be like, I'm writing you a letter on that one. That's a bad decision. Y'all need to be drinking water up there. And, uh, and I have water too. And uh, listen, just be uh, careful with what you're taking in. And be in balance. And may God be getting the glory in it. And uh, man, what you do with your hands, what you do with the rest of your body, watch what you do. man. watch what you get yourself involved in or a part of. And I'll just say this very directly. Be careful of your sexual involvement. It crushes the soul to put our sexuality in the wrong spot. Man, be careful. Take your body and your soul, your spirit, and hand it over to your God. May he get all the glory. And all of God's people said, please hear me. I'm going to say it one more time, and I'm saying it loud. Everybody look in here. You are not handing your body over away from sin in order to get saved or in order to be saved. Everybody say not to be saved, saved. but to say thank you, God. I did not deserve this adoption into your home, and I will live like you are the most great being in the world, and it doesn't take much to presume that. He is awesome. He has it all together. Live for your king. May God get all the glory. He says here, um, from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. I love that statement. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. For those of you who have trusted Christ as Savior, in this room, you've believed in Jesus Christ, and you're like, man, I'm not getting this sin thing nailed down. There's a holiness factor that I'm missing out on. Listen. Listen. Bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. There is a process of healing that goes on. It doesn't say once saved, immediately perfect. Everybody say it doesn't say that. There's a process one degree of glory at a time. Second Corinthians chapter 3. Him changing you one degree at a time. Things that need to be going. God making clear what needs to be dealt with. And you getting that real before your God. May he get all the glory. Man, each moment of each day is just a, God, what needs to go today? May you get all the glory. That's it, man. Super simple prayer as we wake up and as we walk the day. God, I get that I'm not perfect, but I get that you are. God, I get that there's things I'm involved with that need to stop right now. When I'm on that plan, whatever it is, Lord, may you be glorified. May I take the next step with you. It's all to say thank you, God. You're a stunning God in my life. I love you. And I'm handing my life to you. And all of God's people said, completion in the fear of God. A proper respect of the greatness of God will bring you to your knees. May God get all the glory. Okay? Simply put, There's only one way to holiness, and that's through Jesus Christ. And everything that we walk through on a daily basis can be walked through for his glory. Are you ready? Are you ready to be able to say, Lord, I'm ready to invest in this world, but not of this world. I'm ready to watch how I partner in this world, and I long for you to be made much of through me. I will celebrate you with those around me. May you get all the glory. I will not be unequally yoked, but I will love greatly in this world. I will. And Lord, I'm ready to live a life holy for you. May you get all the glory. That's what it looks like to live wisely.